Hi, I'm Tori, co-editor and producer of The Pod by Gen Zine. Final season is at last over, and now that we all have much more free time during winter break, it could be a good opportunity to contemplate the inevitable life after college. Today's episode, hosted by a very special member of Gen Zine, does exactly this. We hope these conversations will bring you some insight into other perspectives on post-grad life and help you gain some bearings, because we're all in this together. If you want to be featured in a short episode next week, stay tuned to the end of this podcast for more information. And on that note, Ceci, take it away. Hi, everyone. My name is Cecilia Poe, and I am a senior at USC and the current campus editor of Gen Zine here at USC. I have wanted to host this podcast episode for a while um, because this topic has been weighing on my mind a lot, and that is navigating post-grad life and just generally navigating life in your early 20s. So today I will be interviewing my mom, my friend Zoe, who is also a senior, and my older sister, who just graduated from college two years ago. And we will be discussing finding a job, deciding on a professional path, transitioning into the next chapter of your life, and other topics along those lines. So I hope you enjoy. The first guest that I wanted to welcome onto this episode is actually my mom. So mom, do you want to say hello and tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Vivian Song. I'm Ceci's mom. I'm 57 years old. I live in uh, Katona, New York, which is uh, in the town of Bedford, New York. So we're, we're kind of like a suburb north of, of New York City. And where did you go to college and when did you study? I went to uh, Brown and I graduated in 1987 with a degree in psychology. Okay, and how did you enjoy studying psychology and how did you decide on majoring in psychology? I thought it was a good interdisciplinary concentration for me because I wasn't really certain about what I wanted to study. And uh, I think that I'd struggled through some of my own mental health issues, you know, with, with anxiety and depression when I was. I think in my, you know, in my teens and early 20s. So I think I was drawn to psychology because it was something that that I could understand that that actually meant something to me. Yeah, I think psychology is such an interesting major. My sister, my twin sister is also a psych major. And one of my good friends, Christina, is as well. And it sounds like a really interesting major that gives you a lot of insight into yourself and other fields. So yes, sounds like it was a good decision for you. So what did you do right after you graduated college? And where were you living? Okay, so uh, I was not certain what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to uh, go to law school. That was my original thought. And to be honest, I think that that was, I was just grabbing at straws mm -hmm. because uh, it just seemed like a reputable thing to do. My parents wanted me to be a doctor. I was not going the medical route. So I thought, okay, law. So I started working as a legal assistant in this like fancy white shoe, uh, you know, white shoe firm downtown. Uh, in the in city, New York city yeah in, in the city and I worked really long hours and uh, this is pre computers uh, you would literally sit with a partner or an associate and start proofreading together and you'd be doing this till one or two in the morning and 
I know that that's not what law is about, but that's what I was exposed to. And I thought, you know what, this is not for me. And so I did that for about a year. I made good money. And then I thought advertising, advertising would make sense for me because I, I, you know, advertising, a lot of what advertising is about is psychologically based. And I was a psych major. It's about how do you, how do you motivate consumers to buy your product? How do you motivate consumers to uh, be interested in a certain message? And then targeting, uh, you know, targeting the consumer, you have a target audience, who are you going to target? And uh, I was really on the account management. And so then I was an account executive. So we did strategic planning. We were the, um, were the liaisons between the creative team at the agency and the clients. So we would mediate between the two. That sounds like such an interesting jump between um, working at a legal firm and then going into advertising. And I like how you touched on the fact that you weren't necessarily passionate about law and maybe law school wasn't the best fit for you, but it kind of just seemed like a good option. And I don't want to generalize because I'm sure some people go to law school for the right reasons, but I feel like a lot of people feel just really confused about what they want to do post-graduation and look at law school or medical school or any graduate school really as like a way to kind of continue on in like a structured path and avoid kind of facing like the uncertainty of being a post like in post-grad life Mm -hmm. do you think that in retrospect do you regret your time at the law firm or or do you think it was a good it it was a lesson that you needed to learn well I mean I I didn't spend a lot of time and I was there for maybe a year at most Mm -hmm. so and I was so young, I was 21 years old. So I think it's fine. I think the problem now with most young people graduating from college is that there's just so much pressure to, to know what you wanna do. And I think though that if anything, I think your generation should feel a little bit more, you should take a longer term outlook. You should have a, a broader outlook about what it means to, to have a career to find something meaningful to do. I think there's just so much pressure in our culture for everyone to be self-actualized, to find your quote passion. And I and that word passion bothers me because not everybody feels passionate about something. It, it just doesn't happen, okay? And I think that's okay. I think that whether it's in love or it's in your career or your interpersonal relationships, there's just so much pressure to find your soulmate, to find your passion. And I think words like that really, tend to to make it difficult for people to even compromise about uh, and look practically about choices that they can make as they move up you know, as they as they try different things um some people like you know my my husband Assessi's dad is a doctor he knew when he was so young he wanted to be a doctor done deal he studied went to med school boom i'd say the majority of people don't know what they really want to do and i think that that's okay i think you know that that's what becoming an adult is all about. I agree. I don't, I don't think that most people have one passion. I don't think really anyone has one passion. And even dad, for example, like he knew he wanted to uh, be a doctor early on and that quote unquote worked out for him. Like he enjoys his job, but I wouldn't necessarily say that medicine is like his passion or his one passion. Do you know what I mean? And also like, aside from professional stuff, I think that's a good point. Like you can find your passion in other areas of your life, like in your relationships or like in a hobby or like in your children, like other things. Like, I don't know why 
American culture associates passion with like your job so much. And it's kind of a weird thing for me to grapple with because I'm trying to kind of accept the idea that my job might not be like my everything and I might not be obsessed with it. But at the same time, I do really want to enjoy what I'm doing and feel fulfilled by it. So I kind of just need to define my job as something that I do want to enjoy, but it doesn't have to be my everything, which honestly, like up until like a few months ago, I think that I was looking for a job that would like be my everything. Like I thought my job needed to be so fulfilling and so exciting. Right. Right. The other thing I was thinking is that one's ability to, to really pursue what they want to do at the expense of everything else is, is once again, a very privileged position because a lot of students cannot just pursue what they want to do, working in an art gallery or pursuing painting or, or you know, literally want to become a, a stand-up comedian, uh, try writing because they have major financial loans, they have financial uh, obligations to their families. And that alone would force a lot of uh, students who graduate to, to not even look, be much more practical about the kind of uh, careers or industries that they want to think about going into. Okay. So I think that once again, this is, there's a real dichotomy between the way people think about what they want to pursue based on their, their, their financial, uh, their financial assets, the assets of the parents and the support they may be giving them when they graduate. No, that's definitely true and a really good point. And yeah, I guess anyone who's lucky enough to not have to worry about like paying off loans and things like that are just in a completely different position. So that's an important distinction to make like aren't even lucky enough to be able to ask themselves these questions. That's right. But the irony of that situation, once again, is that when you have an open, when you have a blue sky, you've got totally open ended options. uh, That's it's, it's wonderful. But at the same time, it's also very paralyzing because uh, for a lot of people, they just don't, when when money's not an issue and they can pursue all kinds of things, it's almost just, it's, it's challenging in a different kind of way. And I will say one thing that I think that, when people your age start thinking about a career, once again, now people have multiple careers, people evolve, people switch into different industries. But that whole trend, which has been going on for a while, pre-pandemic, has now even been further complicated by the pandemic. Now with remote learning and remote work, I think that that's added a whole nother element of of job experiences and jobs that might've seemed really interesting uh, where you're really interfacing with people are now, can also be largely very um, isolating and very remote. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just a lot of things. That's a good point. Things are constantly changing. A lot of the jobs that might be available to us when we're like 30 or 40 mm-hmm. might not even exist yet. Like just given That's right. the rapid pace of technological innovation and the mm-hmm. fact that a lot of industries are now becoming extinct. like. Right now I'm interning at a design magazine that's like a print magazine and it's still like it's kind of on its last legs in the way that like the industry is dying and I bet by the time I'm 30 it's no longer going to exist. So it's just like things are changing. It's tough to predict the future really long term because you have no idea what the world is going to look like. But having said that I think that uh, one of the things I feel that you're good at is it's just you know a lot of the same skills can be applied to many different kinds of jobs. Yeah. If you can write well, if you're an analytical thinker, if you can communicate well with people, mm-hmm. uh, I think that those skills obviously can cross many industries, right? Yeah. But one thing I really want to say to encourage a lot of 
uh, young graduates who don't know what they want to do is like it's okay. I'm not saying, of course, if money is an issue, you've got to you've got to get a job regardless of, of of whether you want to pursue it or not. But generally, it's okay not to know what you want to do. I think it's like finding your soulmate. I've made this analogy before, but it's this idea that there's this person out there who who if you could just find them would be your soulmate, who'd be perfect for you. And I'd say the same about careers. I think that whether it's it's a person. Uh, to, for a romantic relationship or your career, there's no one right person or right job. It's a lot of it's timing. A lot of it's about where you are at the point. And it's two things. Two people have to be at the same point to want to commit to each other. Same with jobs. A job may have an opening, but you're not there. You're somewhere else. It, you know, a lot of it's about fit and a lot of it's about timing. And I think that people have to be really open-minded and maybe a little less idealistic about the perfect job, the perfect mate. Yeah. No, I think that you and dad have done a really good job about kind of drilling that into my head and not making me feel pressured to decide because I don't want to speak to your experience, but from what I've heard, it does seem like your parents, my grandparents were very like, at least at first when you were in college, insisted that they wanted you to go down a certain professional path. And I have literally never felt that from you and dad I remember once you guys were like oh maybe you should consider consulting and I was like I don't want to do that and then you were just like you dropped it you're like okay <laughs> and you but really having said that having said that um it's interesting because from my perspective knowing you um I understand the, the feelings you have it seems like you think it's too corporate it's too dry you work like a dog blah blah the bottom line is a lot of the skills and things you're interested in I find I think would be compatible with consulting so at some point I'd say hey don't rule it out consider it that's all I'm saying yeah. it's like you know and secondly the one thing I want to say about um my parents wanting me to pursue law or medicine is that's also a different experience from you because it was part of the immigrant experience yeah. so that when you immigrate and you're an immigrant you really want you want to have a professional identity you need support and acceptance from the broader white community, the establishing community. And being a professional of high order, being a doctor, lawyer, engineer, was an important way to be accepted and yeah. respected. No, it was a totally different experience. Yeah, and I think that since you guys, I mean, you're an immigrant, but mm -hmm. you came to the United States so young that you did feel like acclimated to American society. So you didn't feel the same pressure. Obviously you were also just in a different like socioeconomic situation right. than your parents. But I'm lucky because it did give me that freedom. And I don't know, when I like parent my kids, who knows what that world is going to look like when I'm raising children. Well, you know, you'd crazy. be surprised how much you internalize the values, assuming you 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 agree with those of your parents. No, you know? but that's what mm -hmm. I mean. Like, mm -hmm. I want to take that from you and dad. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to put my kids in any kind of box or make them feel like they need to decide. Because mm -hmm. I think that, I think honestly, you guys really not, putting anything in front of me and putting any kind of expectations on me made me actually grow up a lot faster and figure out things on my own because it's kind of just like it's like reverse psychology almost it's like if you're like oh you need to be go to med school and become a doctor like and if someone's holding your hand and walking you through that you almost grow less versus mm -hmm. you and dad were kind of just like you can kind of do whatever you want and like you have to figure it out and I was mm -hmm. like oh shit, nobody is 
walking me through this. Mm-hmm. No one's really looking out for me. Like I kind of fairness, to- you're, you're giving, uh, I have to say that in fairness to you and to give credit where credit is due, it was easy for us to say, you can do what you want because you're a very hardworking person and you're successful and you're smart and you work really hard for your experiences. So it's easy to say that to someone who, who has a strong sense of competence and efficacy like you do. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, mom. I guess just one final note to end on. I wanted to touch on, I know you did work as a social worker. After master's in social work. Yeah, after advertising. advertising. So after you worked at Saatchi, which is the advertising company. Agency. Uh Agency, you then worked as a social worker. Could you tell me a little bit of that? Sure. I, um, after being in advertising for several years, you know, initially in my 20s, it was very exciting. Photo shoots, strategic planning, whining and dining the clients, flying all over. A very exciting thing to do. Going to Mexico, going all, all these places. But after a while, the cyclical nature of advertising just started to feel kind of banal and kind of meaningless. Like, why am I doing this? Does this really matter? And I want that's to- exactly how I feel about mm-hmm. my work at the magazine now. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't listen. To- They're not going to listen to this, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. I it's so exciting. So I get to go to like photo right. shoots, help plan cocktail parties, like do all of these things. But I know that if I did this long term, I would right. be like feeling so unfulfilled. Yes, and you know what, the honeymoon at some point is over and you think you and part of it's that you're maturing as a person and you're thinking what else what what means something to me and I want to help people and as I said given that I had my own issues sometimes with anxiety and depression I thought you know um I thought I would actually make a very good therapist and you know what my therapist told me she (laughs) said she said I think you'd make an excellent therapist she wrote one of my recommendations and um in fact when I went to social work school uh not to be too uh uh, self-congratulatory but I, I I did very very well and I got a lot of the awards for writing research it's not the most intellectual grad school you can go to but I I felt like it was a good fit for me and yeah. you know I I haven't ruled out going back now that I'm not driving you you girls all around all cleaning around. up and cooking <laughs> and taking care of cats and all that but so did you find your time as a therapist to be fulfilling yes Absolutely. I think it would be such a fulfilling career. I think in another, in another life, I would mm-hmm. do that. I mean, again, the yeah. door is not closed. So once again, I yeah. don't know if it's such a good fit for you because yeah. you have so many. Yeah. I, I think it might be a better fit for someone like Josie yeah, or Claudia, Josie, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but that's why not everything's for everyone. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much, mom, for coming on. Thanks for I really asking enjoyed me. talking to you and thank you. You're welcome. The next guest I wanted to bring on to this episode is my good friend and fellow senior, Zoe Lee. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Of Um, course. (laughs) um, Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. So I'm Zoe. I'm from New York City, and I'm currently a senior at USC studying a major called geodesign, which combines urban planning, public policy, spatial sciences, and environmental studies. So currently I'm interested in entering into the field of urban sustainability broadly, but also have interests that kind of span the fields of human rights and international development. Yeah, honestly, I think you maybe have one of the coolest majors at USC. (laughs) I'm always in awe, whenever you talk about it, it seems so interesting. So I know that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily have an answer to this question, but if you could choose your dream job, what would it be? I feel like my dream job 
is not a job that necessarily I would ever really see a job description for, which definitely applying for jobs is kind of challenging. I feel like in the long term, kind of my goal would be to establish an organization of my own that brings together nature-based solutions to climate change adaptation and mitigation, kind of harnessing local and indigenous sources of knowledge, community-led programs, and also data-backed interventions to adapt cities in the global south to climate change. But that goal is definitely a long ways away. So I feel like in the short term, I'm looking to build out my expertise in a specific area since my major is very broad. My professional experiences have really been all over the place from like sustainability consulting to like working for like a human rights NGO. So right now I'm thinking about um, kind of some position where I can really deepen my knowledge on urban decarbonization, but also could see myself going more into the field of international development. Yeah, I mean, your current interest, and I mean, that was such a detailed description of your dream job. When did you realize that this was an area that you were passionate about? Was this like something you figured out over the last semester? Or like, have you always thought that this was the case? Or Yeah, yeah, I feel like um, I feel like kind of growing up in New York City, I'd always been really fascinated in the urban realm, just in general on multiple scales, um, kind of from like architecture and buildings and like the design of parks to like how transportation networks work. And especially too, I've always been very interested in how cities shape culture and how kind of the interaction between the physical form of a city and the way in which it functions. So the way in which it contributes to issues like climate and social inequality. And um, I had my first experience in environmental work over my gap year while volunteering for a coastal conservation NGO in New Zealand. And that experience helped me realize how urban planning, climate change, and social inequality kind of all fit together and how kind of they're all interrelated to one another. And then I feel like since then through my coursework and through professional experiences, I kind of have just been exposed to different career paths within those broad fields and kind of through that have further developed kind of what exactly I want to go into. Yeah, honestly, I'm really envious of you because you sound like you have such a clear understanding of what you want to do and that's really awesome. You took a gap year. Yes. Do you think that that contributed to you having a stronger understanding of what drives you and what you want to do professionally? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think 100%. I think leaving high school kind of I went to like a high school that was very focused on college prep and kind of everyone, you know, the career paths that I was aware of or even considered for myself in high school were very narrow within kind of the realm of professional pathways that you typically hear about. And I feel like it wasn't until I took a gap year and really began to understand where my interests came from since I spent a lot of time over my gap year just like traveling around cities and writing and thinking about cities that I kind of began to recognize that this interest of mine that I'd always had could become a career. And then I think too, the experience of working in New Zealand and especially there too, I was working with an indigenous community. So kind of seeing that way of just seeing the world and viewing the environment also was highly influential, I would say, and thinking about kind of my own like attitude towards and like philosophy towards the environment and how I wanted to live my life. I can really relate to what you said regarding having a really narrow high school experience. I think yeah, we went to very similar high schools. I yeah. also went to a college preparatory school in New York um, and I mean the classes I took were English, history, uh, biology. I never had a single interdisciplinary course at all like yeah even going into USC I had no idea what I wanted 
wanted to major in. And, yeah. and I had such a limited exposure to all of the fields that are currently available to me. And I'm really envious that you got to do your gap year because it seems like you grew so much from it professionally, but also speaking to you, it sounds like you also just gained a lot in terms of just life skills and life exposure and learning how to maybe live outside of the United yeah. States. Could you speak on that a little bit? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and just to the first point too, like I was thinking about this the other day, like I feel like at like my high school, which is yeah, very similar to yours, like I feel like so often the question that you'd be asked is like, where do you want to go to college? So rarely was it like, what are you interested in? Yeah. Or like, what yeah. do you want to do with your life? Which I feel like definitely kind of like hinders like your ability to think about like what you genuinely want to do. But um, in terms of kind of, yeah, like wanting to live abroad, yeah, I feel like my draw to living abroad definitely has been influenced by the time I already spent abroad. But I kind of feel like there are two reasons why I currently am like seriously considering moving abroad after graduating. And I feel like the first one is because of the field I want to go into. I feel like the United States is not the place where the most exciting, innovative work in urban sustainability is currently happening. Cities in Asia currently are growing at a far more rapid pace. And especially in Southeast Asia, you kind of see both the forces of urbanization and climate change resulting in um, crises, especially in urban heat, which is a topic I've been very drawn to. And so I think that in terms of just thinking about where I could make the most impact and where is kind of the best place to apply what I've learned and kind of develop my, develop my own abilities to address the threats of climate change, especially in kind of more so like rapidly developing urban context, I definitely think that living abroad is how I have to do that. But I would say on more so of a personal note, I definitely just feel like a very like internal drive to live abroad. My, my past experiences spending longer amounts of time abroad definitely have been some of the most formative times of my life. Definitely, I feel like it's very daunting to kind of think about like moving abroad by myself mm -hmm. after graduating. But I feel like even kind of thinking about the parts of it that scare me, just of like not knowing anyone in a city or having to kind of like deal with both like being a graduate and also being in a new culture I've never lived in before. I feel like that also kind of excites me, the idea of just like the growth that would come from that and kind of the unexpectedness of those experiences. Whereas I feel like even though I am still like entertaining the idea of moving back to New York, I feel like that to me feels more like something that I can expect and something where I more so know like what I'd be getting myself into. Which, it feels safe. Yeah, which is both good. You know what I mean? Like I definitely understand that appeal and like I might end up doing that just because like with COVID it also is like harder to get visas to like work abroad. But I definitely feel like kind of the idea of living abroad feels like far more just exciting to me. No, I completely relate. And I mean, I have never lived abroad. And thankfully, like I've also been fortunate enough to travel a lot, but I've never yeah. really experienced what you're describing, which is being forced out of your comfort zone and integrating into a new culture. And that is something that sounds, again, both extremely terrifying and yeah. incredibly exciting. And I'm really just trying to decide whether or not taking the easy route, which would be move to New York City and mm -hmm. be 40 minutes away from my family and my childhood home and live with my roommate from last year yeah. and like my best friend like I that would obviously be easier and I'm trying not to beat myself up for it if that's what I ultimately decide but at the same time like as a young 20 something with no lease no job like no serious relationship doesn't this yeah. kind of seem like the time that no, I definitely. should be doing this definitely definitely I mean I also want to that I feel like there's a way to kind of like have both like 
something that I feel like I'm considering is like working in New York City for like a year after graduating, mm-hmm. kind of like get my bearings and then applying for like a Fulbright fellowship mm-hmm. or another fellowship. Mm-hmm. So then I could go abroad for a year or so after that through like more of a structured program is definitely something that I'm considering too. No, that's a really good option. Yeah. Um, and for people that are in that field or are interested in like a Fulbright or a program yeah. like that, I feel like that's a super cool option to get abroad. One other thing that I'm also considering, and I know we've talked about this too, but is a desire to like maybe not work definitely uh, like traditional like white collar job no, right? yeah. when you get out of graduation. <laughs> like I know we both discussed like kind of like a fantasy and this is incredibly privileged, but yeah, of like working at a coffee shop or maybe no, not totally. jumping into a career path what are your thoughts on yeah that? definitely I mean we both have read the book excellent Sheep, you know which I mean is like a great book that just talks about how kind of like the pressures to immediately jump into these white collar jobs ultimately kind of just like stimulate your ability to really like find meaningful work and I think that that yeah I mean I think that's super I think that definitely is a like super like valuable I don't know just like something that I definitely am considering myself I feel like it definitely is hard though in a way when you have the opportunity to like work more so like a like you know a white collar job to turn that down I definitely think is a challenging choice to make but something that I think ultimately if it's like what will lead to like the most like personal growth in the short term will serve you the best in the long term. Yeah I completely agree and for everyone who's listening Excellent Sheep is like one of the most <laughs> interesting books and the most necessary to read as a college student or high school student. Yeah. Um, it's really amazing. It talks about just kind of number one, deciding uh, what college you want to go to and how you want to uh, approach college and how you want to approach post-grad life as well. And yeah, I mean, for me, since I'm so confused, it almost makes sense. I feel like to not jump into something, I could see yeah. arguments for both sides. I could see yeah. if you jump into a job, you could get clarity on what you want from working a job. But at the same time, I feel like I also have a lot of personal growth that Definitely. I have to yeah. work through. And if I'm working a night, like even my life here at USC, I'm so busy Never between yeah. school, working a job, and then managing this club. I have literally no time to just like think critically. And I feel yeah. like if I'm working a nine to five, it would kind of be the same case. Yeah. And even like, even if it is like a great job with great people, like you are still kind of working within, like, I would say like, an, if you're working in like an office environment, you know, there's still kind of are like these confining elements just to mm-hmm. that, that, you know, are also like, you know, might lead to like professional growth or growth in like the area you want to go into. But yes, I definitely feel like in terms of like thinking more critically or more kind of on like a meta level about like what you want to do with your life can definitely be like not a great environment to do that in. Yeah, for sure. But it's just obviously tough when you're surrounded or I think USC is honestly a really pre-professional school. Yeah. And I feel like some of my close friends and most of my acquaintances are kind of figuring out their job now and like yeah talking about it a lot in class or posting it on Mm -hmm. LinkedIn and seeing this and like being in that environment like and I know I shouldn't care so much about what people think or I shouldn't be so influenced by what other people are doing but yeah I almost feel like I would be like the black sheep if I decided like not to immediately jump into a career and I think the fact that I'd be going against the grain a little bit would Mm -hmm. make me so insecure and that's oh, probably something I need to work through yeah, <laughs> myself. No, yeah I mean I definitely think it takes like courage almost to like kind of 
you know, just say no to like the path that's like, you know, the career path where you automatically get a job and then like, you know, you kind of know what you're doing for the next few years. I think it definitely like is very hard to say no to that. But I think that, you know, if it's something that to you like doesn't feel appealing or doesn't excite you, then I think that, you know, to say no to that will be like a decision that will like definitely serve you for years to come. So I know you're interviewing for jobs right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How is that going? And what's your mentality around yeah. these jobs that you're interviewing for, considering you're not even sure if you want to work immediately no, totally, after totally. graduation? Yeah, no, sometimes even like talking about this, sometimes I feel like, you know, like a hypocrite because then I am interviewing for these like nine to five, like white collar jobs based in New York City. Um, but I would say like, honestly, like I think that I do want to have options. And I think that given to just like the current COVID situation, like it is still like challenging to just like to live abroad, especially in Southeast Asia is the area where I'd be most interested in like moving to after graduating. It's still like unclear if that would even be a possibility. So then if I am to go back to New York City, I definitely think that I would be interested in kind of seeing if maybe that would be the time to like kind of develop in this more so like professional nine to five way. Um, but yeah, I mean, the job interviews, though, definitely, they've been going well. And I think that, like, I feel like it has been, like, affirming, at least, to see that I feel like maybe just, like, the positions I've been applying to or, like, the companies I've been I've been drawn to, I feel like have been very accepting of and, like, very appreciative of me and, like, my interdisciplinary background, which I feel like is something that I wasn't really expecting entering or trying to, like, find a job. I've been kind of surprised to see that I feel like the interviews have been going well in that sense. No, I don't think you're giving yourself <laughs> enough credit. But that is interesting. I feel like low-key, having an interdisciplinary candidate is so much more appealing to a lot of jobs and seeing someone who's like majoring in business administration and like yeah. only have like, I mean, that's not what you're interviewing for, but yeah. just speaking generally, like you're just so much more of an interesting candidate, someone to work with. And like, that's something also that I feel like a lot of hiring managers are looking for. Like, are you an interesting person who would be like a good coworker and would bring yeah. like multiple perspectives to every issue? Because if you're someone who just had like such a straight line resume, like you're kind of going to look at things just one way. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. And I think especially maybe within this field of thinking about like solutions to like climate change, kind of having that perspective definitely comes into use. Of course, because yeah. you're going to need to bring in social considerations. You're going to need yeah. to pull from like your technical, like geo design background, like so many, like consider history, like so many things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, On a more personal note I was just wondering so we've discussed New York City a little yeah, bit and I yeah. know you're from there obviously and yeah for those of you who don't know I'm from Westchester New York which is the suburbs of New York City what do you think about living in New York City as an early 20 something is that like appealing to you I mean like if, I if think, you had to live yeah, anywhere in the United States that's a good question I think yes and no like I feel like I've been seeing people from my high school who graduated living in New York and like you know they all live in like one neighborhood and like you know I don't know something about it I feel like almost feels like kind of just this return to like high school and kind of like living out these like norms or like ideas of like how people feel like their lives should be and look you know which I feel like doesn't really appeal to me but I also think you feel like you know I feel like New York is a great city because I just feel like it's so diverse and you can really make the city what you want it to be for yourself like I definitely feel confident that if I were to live there I feel like I definitely would live in 
a neighborhood that I like didn't grow up in you know obviously I am confident that like the people who I would surround myself with would you know be in line with my values and kind of that it still would be like a different experience than the one I've had in the past growing up in New York City. Yeah that's super interesting because for me although a lot of people from my high school have moved to New York City or are yeah. going to most likely yeah. it still kind of feels like almost new to me because I never have I've only lived in the suburbs and like I feel like a lot of people from USC stay in Los Angeles so it doesn't yeah. necessarily feel like it would be a continuation of high school or college but mm-hmm. there's something that's just so engaging and like interesting about New York City and I honestly think after living in LA like I'm yeah. so much more confident that that would be a better fit. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I agree. Just the idea of like living in a city that has more of like a street life and like is more like that it's like easier to like get around in. I feel like whether that's New York or somewhere abroad is like yeah. very appealing. I've never spent time in LA. Also, like the energy this summer was like literally electric so in amazing. New York City. It was amazing yeah. and it made me so excited. To no, totally. Totally. Yeah. And I guess my last question for you is how you balance pragmatic concerns such as mm-hmm. salary and like yeah. work-life balance with a desire for social impact because I know that this is something yeah. that we've both struggled with and I know we both are pretty committed to having social impact to be a part of our career in some way or definitely, another definitely yeah definitely I feel like kind of as like graduation years the pragmatic concerns kind of become more real yeah, and sure. something <laughs> we have to think about more um I honestly don't feel like thinking about the pragmatic concerns that just kind of makes me more so justify like moving abroad especially living in Southeast Asia like you'll get paid probably a quarter of what you would get paid in New York City like regardless of what your role is Um, but even so just the cost of living is so much lower there compared to living in New York honestly I feel like the idea of making a non-profit salary in in New York City is you know just like I don't know it feels just challenging yeah absolutely and I think in that way New York could kind of be a tough place to live in as like a 20 something year old just because of the high cost of living there mm-hmm. but yeah I feel like in that sense though like living abroad or just like working like trying to like earn a fellowship or something definitely appeals to me I mean I kind of always just think that like now is not the time of my life that I should be really focused on making money you know like I definitely want to be able to support myself but I'm not I don't want salary to dictate what I do with my life at this exact before like even last year I did not think about like pragmatic concerns at all like I was like I'm going to work at an international humanitarian nonprofit (laughs) and like end of story and now I'm like okay I want to be able to at least afford like to go out to eat like every now and again like and like have some level of material comfort but at the same time I totally agree this is not the time to be sacrificing definitely your dream job for a paycheck yeah yeah definitely like, I think that book that we referenced before, yeah. Excellent Sheep, talks about this all the time, but I don't know, like, sometimes I talk to people and that go to USC or, like, outside of USC and, like, no judgment, like, everyone has their own priorities in yeah. life, but sometimes I ask them, like, why are you doing the job yeah. that you're doing or why do you want to go into this field? And it kind of shocks me how often people say, like, for money and, no, like, that's insane. their only reason. No, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's really crazy. And I think that that too just speaks to the importance of like self-growth and like knowing what your values are, because I feel like very few people, like, I don't know if they took the time to think about why they wanted money, you know, then I think their end motive isn't money. It's maybe the security that comes from money or like people in their life, you know, but I think that kind of like 
figuring out what that thing is, is really important and can then kind of free you from like pursuing just a high salary. That's so true. You need to kind of trace it back. And I feel like, yeah, people think money equals happiness. And I guess for some people that could be the case. I think that's a small few though. I think so many studies have proven that that is not like correlated. Yeah. But I know, I just like, when I think about my career, like as sad as it is, like, this is just the reality of the situation. Like your job is what you're going to be doing for like eight hours a day for yeah. the rest of your life. No, no like summers your, or anything. Your time is like the most valuable, like asset you have, you know, more so than like any like physical investment you could ever Totally. Make, yeah. And like, if you're working like 20 <laughs> hours a day and you can afford like a Celine bag like no one's gonna see it like that's just something that I tell myself no absolutely but. absolutely yeah um so yeah I think it was so great to talk to you about this I mean we talk about yeah, this like every day anyway but yeah no thank you so much for having me of course And the final guest I wanted to bring on to today's episode is actually my older sister, Claudia Poe. Claudia, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Claudia Poe. I'm Ceci's older sister. I graduated from Bowdoin College, which is a small liberal arts school up in Maine in 2020. And yeah, since then, I've done some work in public health and education. And what was your major at Bowdoin? I was a government major with an American politics concentration. Okay, cool. And did you like it? Do you regret your choice? How did you choose your major? I really liked it. I chose my major because I took a course on the Supreme Court and social change in my first semester, and I really liked it. And I found that taking golf classes was a really interesting way to learn about topics that I care about, like reproductive justice or environmental protection or racial justice. So um, I really liked my classes. I think I learned a wide variety of things from some amazing professors, but I also went to a liberal arts school. So what I liked is that not all of my classes were gov classes, only about 10 of maybe like 50 classes I took total work of. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I'm getting that experience. So that's really awesome because even though I'm an international relations major and I have no declared minor, which is something I did on purpose, um, I still feel like really restricted in terms of my class load at USC I do not feel like it got the liberal arts experience at all so you feel like you had lots of room for like exploration and you took like a lot of I know you took a lot of like gender studies classes you took a few sociology classes as well correct yeah I took a lot of classes related to social sciences and also like English different literature and yeah different like cultures around the world and a lot of them were cross-listed so it would be like a history slash Africana studies class or like Asian studies class Mm -hmm. something like that that's awesome I wish I had that freedom like I still obviously have time to like take a few like electives but I think that taking less when I was a junior I took the fall off for COVID and as much as I I'm glad I did that. At the same time, like, I definitely don't want to graduate late. So now I just kind of cut my time short in terms of, like, just taking classes for the sake of, like, enjoying them and not to the full major, which is something I was really excited about in college. And I feel like I haven't really necessarily gotten to do. Yeah, I feel lucky. I think that I do feel like there's sort of privilege in being able to say that just because I didn't have, I knew I wasn't going to go to something like med school where I had to, like, fulfill a set of requirements so I think in situations like those like students are just going to have 
less wiggle room. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to take a wide variety of courses so I could explore my interests and try to get a better sense of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely recognize like not everyone can do that. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a really important point. I feel like you and I were in a similar boat where when we went to college, we weren't really sure what we wanted to do. So I guess this is our advice, I guess, is tailored to people who are in that situation. Like I remember sitting at our kitchen table, you and I, like right before I was starting USC, like I was like, what should I like put as my intended major? There's something to be said for like asking people who know you super well advice on careers you should look into or like classes you should take or things like that. Like I think if you're a person who is very undecided, the way I was in college, like I feel like my parents and peers helped steer me and they're continuing to steer me. And I think that's something that's been really helpful. I mean, I know you don't remember, but that fully happened. I remember what you said and you were like, oh, you're interested in like a lot of different like areas and IRs like really interdisciplinary. And you were like, you're interested in politics, history, like econ, sociology, psychology, like an IR is basically like a synthesis of all of those different fields. Mm -hmm. And like, it was a really formative moment though, because your major is actually really important. Like it definitely shaped the way that I look at the world and how I look at what I want to do Mm post-grad. It's how I met like a lot of my close friends, Mm -hmm. like what student organizations I joined. So like kind of crazy that I just kind of chose it on a whim and I just ended up sticking with it. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not the most practical major. Like it's not the most like professionally oriented but I feel like I have a lot of random skills now that I could use in a job in the future and I'm sure you feel the same way about Gov. Yeah absolutely and I think so many of my courses um, and just like thinking about my college courses as a whole like holistically so much of it isn't learning professional skills that are um, like technical I would say not in a technical sense but so many of the skills that you learn in these classes like learning to read critically or think like analyze large bodies of text or like really complicated concepts um, and synthesizing different concepts and also like learning about different cultures and groups you're going to interact with in the world those skills are all so important and you can like easily apply them to a lot of like things you're given to do in your work no I completely agree being able to write and like read critically are such underrated skills that you literally use in every single job. And you learning about different cultures around the world and like the way like different international parties and like stakeholders interact with each other. Like I feel like that's sort of come to the forefront in this past year, like so many times like cultural sensitivity and like cultural awareness and awareness of like diversity and things like that is so important. And like we've seen how all these companies or people who just like haven't taken that into consideration like our suffering now like clearly it's only going to come more and more important that's so true like especially in global health but also like an international business like having a sense of like different cultures cultures and different norms is so so crucial that's a good point as you know I'm a senior mm-hmm. and I'm looking ahead to graduation and as you also know I'm definitely very undecided about what I'm going to do don't really have a plan which isn't that crazy considering it's only November Mm -hmm. but sometimes I do feel behind because a lot of my peers and some of my close friends have already like figured out what job they're going to do and already like have an offer and know what city they're going to live in Mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to to be okay with having no plan when people around you are getting a plan and Mm -hmm. I just feel like a little bit insecure and a little bit behind and I was just wondering how you navigated that as a senior because I know you didn't figure out what you were doing until 
the spring, like right before graduation. Yeah, I would say I had a kind of unique situation in the sense I graduated during COVID. So a lot of people, and that happened during around March when I was, so I'm a gov major and a lot of jobs, like paralegal jobs and things like that, you sort of get like later on in the school year, like around the spring, not the way like finance people do in the fall. But because of COVID, a lot of people like had their job offers rescinded or pushed back a year or something like that. So people were really scrambling. So I think everyone felt in a way that they were in it together. Like a lot of people were in really weird situations, even if they technically had a job, like they had something like a start date that was a year from graduation. So they didn't have anything to do. Um, So that wasn't, the situation was really scary, but also like everyone was sort of scrambling in a similar way. I think that what I've learned now as a person who's almost like a year and a half out of graduation is I've seen a lot of my friends who even had paths set out or roles that they like returned to from a previous summer that were sort of in line with their professional goals. And they actually realize that like, they don't even like the job they're in. So like a person can have a path and seem to have like, that looks comforting to you now, but you don't even know if they're going to necessarily like like that path that they're on and you don't know like you could easily have something set out for you now and you could easily not enjoy that yeah no no I feel like a lot of people like jump into these jobs and these commitments because they're afraid of like uncertainty and not having a plan and like when you're at Thanksgiving and your family friends are like oh what are you doing after graduation I feel like that now I understand like that feeling of insecurity and like confusion and just like and just, ugh, I don't know, it's, it doesn't feel great at all. But like, I'm just trying to resist the urge to to go for something just for the sake of avoiding that feeling because mm-hmm. it's not worth it. Yeah, and I think the weird thing is like you, I'm speaking from my personal experience, like I actually am doing a really random job now. That yeah, I what are you doing? Of, so right now I work in public health um, and it's basically this position that I started summer after I graduated just as a way to like make money until my school job started in the fall but I actually ended up like continuing to do it throughout the school year and it's COVID related yes it is COVID related um and it was so random I never it's something that a job that literally didn't even exist until spring 2020 because of COVID but I actually like it I mean it's obviously not a long-term career in the sense it's linked to COVID but I think that you can end up in certain situations where like you actually like the day-to-day work you're doing and end up like, I have a fair amount at this point of, cause like I've moved up in it, like fair amount of responsibility. Um, I have the ability to just like talk to people all the time in my work, which I really like. Like I like a high degree of interpersonal interaction in my work and it's enjoyable. And yeah. I think that like you can try to find a job that fills out all the qualities of a job you want and end up not liking it and then you can also end up in a job that's super random but end up loving it um and I think it must come of it is just like up to chance yeah no for sure like it's so random that you mm-hmm. landed in this job and you actually enjoy it like you think you know what you want yeah but a lot of times you don't know what you want until you try it out which is why mm-hmm. I think that doing internships and in, I did so many random internships like throughout my time in college like environmental nonprofit, like advertising startup like think tank like um social media platform like so random and I like that I did a lot of random stuff because now I feel like I have a little bit more insight but I I still know that like my whole career is going to be like at least in my early 20s is going to be kind of trial and error yeah I think it will be and I think something like my job popping up speaks to how our 
society and economy, everything's changing so rapidly. Like a lot of the jobs that we'll probably have as adults literally do not exist. Do not right exist. Now. Yeah. And like, so trying to tailor, like trying to set out this like 15 year plan where you plan like every single step of the way, like it's just, I don't think it's that helpful or realistic. Um, and I realized that I never really gave like a rundown, but basically Claudia graduated, was working as a teacher and in public health. And now she's just doing her public health role and studying for the LSAT. I would love to hear a little bit just about like your time as a teacher, because I know you really enjoyed it. And I know that also was a little bit random, definitely not your first choice, but mm-hmm. I would love to just hear a bit about that. Yeah. So I worked at this organization called Harlem Children's Zone, and I basically landed in it because the CEO um, of it basically is a charter school slash nonprofit that caters to um, children living in poverty in Harlem. And the creator of it um, went to my school, Bowdoin, and I saw him speak in November 2019 when I was a senior and it was literally probably the best speech I've ever seen in my whole life. Mm -hmm. It was so inspirational and amazing and that just inspired me to look more into it and apply. I was offered the position in around January and and it was something I was excited about but not necessarily, I don't see myself being a classroom teacher which is my main point of hesitation but March rolled around. A lot of the jobs I was applying to got taken off like because of COVID or they just said like, we have no idea if this is even happening, but school is always going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but they're like, you definitely will have a job. It just, we don't know what it's going to be like. And I was like, okay. So I kind of panicked and accepted it. So I was a teaching assistant and I did it both remotely and in person, depending on the time of the year. And it was a lot. I think it gave me so many great skills. I think being able to navigate and like command the attention of many people at once How is really challenging. Students? They were in third grade. So they okay. were like seven or eight. Um, but learning, it really improved like my public speaking skills and organization and time management skills because I was dealing with like creating the schoolwork and creating curriculums and things like that. No, Claudia, students. teaching <laughs> third graders remotely sounds so challenging. Oh, it was like really their great. attention span is already so limited, yeah, but exactly. doing it remotely, like, that is an insane challenge. Mm-hmm. And there are all these things that you don't even think about. I mean, beyond like just commanding the attention of these students, there were so many extra boundaries or extra challenges because like the students for the most part, like are living in poverty. So yeah. like really bad internet was an issue a lot of the time, or sometimes like there wouldn't really be proper childcare or super supervision. So like, I think a lot of parents in more like suburban areas or like wealthier areas, would have someone like a babysitter who was always there to make sure their student was was, like paying attention. But for us often, like an adult was there, but they were like working themselves or something like that. Or it was like a grandma who wasn't really like that active or something like that. So there were just so many extra challenges, I think, to an already very daunting task. So it seemed like you learned a lot, but it seems like just from what I witnessed as your sister, you gained so much like fulfillment from this role is what it seemed like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was a really rewarding job, like being able to connect with the students and um, I really miss them, you know, like seeing them being on Zoom for eight hours every day was really training, but I spent so much time with them every day for a whole school year. So um, I really do miss them. And it, it did feel like I was making a difference. Like I think that being able to see how they're reading and writing abilities improved in a tangible way was um really like spoke to that 
Um, so that made me happy. No, it was like, I always think back to how much my teachers have shaped me. It genuinely seems like one of the most rewarding jobs of mm-hmm. all time, because the way you impact your students' lives is so tangible and like you can really set them up on a path for success Mm -hmm. like truly like you can instill so much confidence in your students yeah absolutely and I think also it just spoke to how like school is such an important outlet in more than one way like beyond just academic teaching like for a lot of these kids especially in like the winter they weren't really seeing friends or anyone like that and we had to work so much on creating like ways for students to interact socially with each other um, on Zoom and also process things going on in the world, like the election. We talked a lot about the election. We even talked about, you know, like police brutality and things going on in the world because they- How did you communicate that to a third grader? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes we would kind of let them bring it up. Like we would have these moments where we were like, okay, like, does anyone have anything they want to talk about? Like they watch the news with their parents a lot of the time or they see what's going on and, um, So a lot of times they would even like independently bring it up and we would sort of let them process these thoughts on their own and like answer any questions they might have. Um, And we also did exercises where they could like process their feelings through drawings or through like writing, answering little prompts and things like that. I think a time that really stuck out to me was after the insurrection on January 6th. Yeah. When we basically just didn't do our curriculum for that day. We're like, this is important. Students need to like, like this was a really significant day and students need to process it we just like had them draw pictures to process their feelings i think it was really nice because what they took away from that event i think a lot of adults i talked to were like oh this just says like so much about the state of our country and everyone was really pessimistic but the students a lot of my students were basically like, I want to make the world a better place. And like, I want to make everyone get along. No, all of the drawings were like people holding hands. Yeah, it was and, like, like black hearts. and white yeah. students holding hands and like a make the world better with like an earth as a smiley face with a rainbow <laughs> over it and things like that. And I was like, they really are just so optimistic and sweet. And I think working with children is really I think working with children during COVID especially mm-hmm. was such like an unexpected joy. And I think it kind of just speaks to what we were saying earlier about like, sometimes you just kind of fall into career paths that you really had. Like, I would say you had like little to no expectations about mm-hmm. what this role would be mm-hmm. like, or if you would even like it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it was honestly like a really nice memory to look back on. Like you learned a lot and you had a great experience and obviously it's not your forever career path, but I feel like you've realized more about what you want from your job. And I know you you knew this already, but like, I think that you are more convinced now that whatever job you want to do has to have like some kind of tangible, like community-based impact in what you do. Yeah, I think so. And I think even, and even things that I learned about what I don't want, like learning about what you don't want from a job is like equally important. You know, like I think one of the main takeaways is I need a job that provides me with a little more flexibility. Like I think I couldn't be a classroom teacher just because I kind of like to like schedule my own day and I can't be on all the time. That's the main thing, like I can't always be on. But I think learning that, like it's not as if I didn't take anything away from the experience just because I don't want to be a teacher. Like I think that really has informed my future career search as well. Yeah, Um, for sure. I think, I don't think people emphasize that enough that if you try out a job and you end up disliking elements of it, that is almost just as valuable as loving elements of it because now you know what to look for in the future. And yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much.
for talking with me, Claudia. Um, it was great to hear a little bit about you navigating post-grad and I loved speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Ceci for hosting this episode of The Pod and for courageously leading us at Gen Z. And thank you to our audience for listening. If this episode inspired you, please reach out to us on Instagram at at GenZine. You can DM us with the first word podcast, and we may include your opinions on post-grad life in our follow-up episode next week. Be sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever listening platform you're using, and be on the lookout for more episodes to come. Happy holidays.